We are in our series, Foolproofing Your Life, going through the book of Proverbs. I've certainly enjoyed uh, hearing some of these men preach. And uh, how many have enjoyed that? How many have enjoyed that? All right, good. I'm excited about preaching tonight. Proverbs chapter 16. My message title tonight is Principles in Finding God's Will. Principles in Finding God's Will. How many of you have ever tried to determine God's will in your life? All right. Most of us have. And uh, trying to determine God's will in your life sometimes is a, uh, I don't want to use the word frustrating, but sometimes it is a slow uh, thing, and sometimes it's not, doesn't work out the way we think it will. And, and so as we try to determine God's will, there are some principles that we can follow as we wait for God to reveal His will to us. And so Proverbs 16, as you read there, there's, there's probably 20 messages you could preach from Proverbs 16, but I kind of, as you read through it, you'll find many verses that deal with that. So we're going to read uh, the proverb tonight, and so that way, if uh, uh, maybe this was on your Bible reading plan, you can knock it right off right now, all right? So here we go, Proverbs chapter number 16, verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man, and the answer from the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own what? But the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy what? Works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by fear of the Lord men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenue. Without right. Verse 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord what? That's a very important verse to the message. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king. His mouth transgresseth not in judgment. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of a bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. The wrath of a king is a messenger of death, but a wise man will pacify it. Let's read verse 15 together. Ready, begin. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor... Verse 16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding rather to be than uh, rather to be chosen than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. And the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and added learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way. Let's read verse 25. Ready to begin. There is a way that seemeth right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man dicketh up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man, that means a rebellious man, soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. 
A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him in the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. The hoary head is a crown of glory. If it be found in the way of righteousness, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. The lot is cast. Let's read verse 33 together. Ready, begin. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Did you catch many verses in that chapter that deals with the will of God? One of the biggest questions we ask ourselves is, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? Or what does God want me to do in this situation? Every day we're faced with many decisions. Sometimes, they're, sometimes they seem insignificant. Sometimes decisions are very big, and we understand they may have eternal implications. Every day we're faced with decisions that lead to a direction, and a direction ultimately leads to a destination. So tonight, from this chapter of Proverbs 16, I just want to give you a simple message. Three basic principles that help us find God's will in our life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Once again, we ask you for your help. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to, to push everything else out of our minds. That's a distraction. Help us, Lord, to have open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What is God's will? This is a term that we throw around a lot. You hear a lot. What is God's will? We often hear people say things about God's will like, I feel like God wants me to do this, or I really feel like God has told me or called me to do that. We also hear people say, I feel like God has called me to the ministry, or I feel like God wanted me to marry this person. And people kind of talk a lot about the will of God. We also hear sometimes people use God's will for their own selfish purposes. Uh, I like to call this the Baptist breakup. I don't believe it's God's will for us to date any longer. God told me you're not the right one for me. And so on and so forth. I just don't feel like God wants me to do this, or I just don't feel like God wants me to do that. Uh, and so sometimes we use, I think that God called me to drive a Lamborghini. I just really think that's God's will for me to have a red Lamborghini. And so sometimes people use, of course, the will of God for their own selfish purposes. It's a term that's thrown around a lot. So what is God's will? What does it mean? God's will can be summed up this way. God's will is God's eternal plan. His sovereignty tells us that he establishes his will in all things. Good and evil, his sovereignty is over every detail in all of reality. God is sovereign over everything. Now, it's easy to say, hard to swallow. But how many recognize tonight by an uplifted hand? God is sovereign over everything. Amen? Amen? In other words, God controls everything. He is sovereign over everything in every detail of all reality. Spurgeon said something that I think resonates with me because I want to be in the dead center of God's will. I want to be in the center of God's sovereignty, whatever that is for my life. He said it this way, when your will is God's will, then you will have your will. Let me say that again. When your will, what I want, is God's will, what he wants, then I'm going to get his will, what he wants and what I want. And so we ought to strive in our life as much as possible to find ourselves in the center of what God's will is, whether it's for our life or for a situation 
or whatever. And this could be in any scenario. You might be thinking about buying a car or buying a house or having a child or having another child uh, uh, or getting married or, or whatever that, whatever that uh, scenario is for your life. You, wanna, you want to strive to be in the center of whatever God wants us to do. And how many agree with that tonight? So how do we do that? How do we get there? God's will is not usually one big decision. It's a million small decisions. Often in these decisions, we're faced with choices. Choices that sometimes are unclear. Many times there isn't a right or wrong choice. It's not like sin versus not sinning. That's not always how God's will works. Sometimes the choice to do God's will are two different things that both seem like they could be good. How many know what I'm talking about? You come to the why in the road, they go two different directions, and one way seems fine, and the other way seems fine. And so sometimes God's will isn't clear, and so we pray and we seek for God to show us which direction to take. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? How do you want me to handle this? What direction do you want me to go? And so how many have ever been there? So how do we get there? So here's some principles I see out of Proverbs 16 that will help us in our lives as we search for God's will. Number one is this. We must, if we want to see God's will, if we want to find God's will in our life, we must commit to the work of God. You say, what do you mean by that? Look at verse number one of Proverbs 16. The preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are what? Clean in his own eyes. It's clean in our own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. Then he goes on. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. How many of you have ever felt scatterbrained? I just don't know what to do. Boy, it just seems like this. It just seems like that. And I just can't figure this out. And we get that way because we're not focusing on the right things. We see here it says, commit thy works unto the Lord. That's the first principle. Don't expect God to reveal his will to a disobedient heart. When we disobey in the areas that we know are God's will, then the overriding will of God is to get us to obey. Say, what are you trying to say? Think about Jonah. What, what, what did God tell Jonah to do? Go where? Let's say it together. One, two, three. He said, go to Nineveh. God's will for Jonah was to go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He didn't go to Nineveh. Jonah went in the opposite direction. So God's will was for Jonah to go to Nineveh. Let me just say this. I don't believe it was God's will for Jonah to be swallowed by a fish. He wanted Jonah in Nineveh. But when Jonah disobeyed and he went in the opposite direction, God's overriding will now stepped into play and said, okay, I got to get Jonah to Nineveh. And so he had a fish swallow him. And three days and three nights, he was in the belly of the fish and, uh, and was in a bad situation. And why? Why? Because he disobeyed the known will of God. And so here's the point. We must commit to the work of God, to what we know God wants us to do, if we want God to show us the next step. Otherwise, God can't show us the next step. He's only trying to get us to do the step that we're on. Letter A here is we see God is the creator of our hearts. The preparation of the heart in man. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. We see here that God is the one who creates. 
What the, uh, this word preparation of the heart, in other words, it means God is the one who prepares our heart. He's the one who creates our heart. He's the one that gives us the answer. He's the one who gives us those things. Have you ever made anything by hand? Who's ever made something by hand? A couple weeks ago, actually months ago now, I started building a chicken coop. Let me tell you, that's the best chicken coop you've ever seen. It's nice. I started building this chicken coop and and I'm the one that went to the store and bought the wood for it. I got the screws for it. I, I went out there every day for like six months to build this chicken coop. And now that it's done, you might come to my house and I say, that's a nice chicken coop. You might look at that chicken. The chickens look at that chicken coop. They think, thanks a lot for the chicken coop. And, and uh, here's the thing, though. Nobody knows that chicken coop like I know that chicken coop because I built it. You might look at that chicken coop and think that's just a chicken coop. But I can see that that used to be a cow milking stanchion that I turned into a chicken coop. Why? Because I built it. I know that. Nobody else knows that, except for my wife. I turned it from something into something else. You see, God created our hearts. He formed our hearts. He knows your heart better than you do. And we may say, thank you, God. And we may uh, thank God for creating us and thank God for giving us insight and wisdom and, and helping us be self-aware. But the truth is tonight is that God, is the, God knows our hearts better than we do. He created it. He built you. God built you the way that you are. He knows things about you that you may not even know yet. God knows you inside and out. He made your brain, your personality, everything. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In seeking God's will, don't forget that God is the one who created you. And so we might try to do what Jonah did and run from God because we don't think this is really what we want to do. But the truth is, is that if we do what God wants us to do, we will find what we want to do. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. When we go where God wants us to go, when we give what God wants us to give, when we say what God wants us to say, we will find that that's where we want to be. God is the one that creates our hearts. He knows every intimate detail about you. And so because of that, we got to let go of some things. Let her be. We need to let God conduct our life. Since he's the creator of my heart, then I need to let God conduct my life. The ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Since God created us and he knows everything about us, why would we ever trust ourselves more than we trust God? How many of you have ever trust yourself over God every day? Well, God, I know you tell me not to do this, but I mean, come on. Well, God, I know I shouldn't do that, but I mean, come on. And and so we trust ourselves all the time. Boy, we do that to our parents growing up, don't we? Can I get a witness, parents? Mm -hmm, Amen. (laughs) I mean, mean, when when a boy turns 16, 17, all of a sudden now his dad doesn't know as much as he does. Can I get a witness, dads? And then when you start having your own kids, start thinking, man, my, my dad was pretty smart. Since God created us and he knows us, God should be the conductor of everything, should he not? You see why? Man makes decisions. Man does things because it's clean in our own eyes. We make decisions based on facts, feelings, evidences, and experiences. We make these decisions, but all of that knowledge is based upon a limited process. We can't see everything. And so we make these decisions. We think it's the right thing. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so we're faced with decisions And we don't know what to do because it's clean in our own eyes. So what do we do? We commit, we commit to the work of the Lord. 
In other words, we do the will that God has shown us. Amen. Amen. We do what God has shown us. And we take those steps. We're faced with decisions all the time. Should I stay or should I go? Should I buy or should I not? Should I take that job? Should I not? And sometimes the answer is unclear. And sometimes we're not exactly sure what to do. But if you allow God to conduct your life and you commit to what you do know God wants you to do, he will reveal his will to you. I may have discovered that in your life. Some of us are still waiting for God to reveal some things. But what does he say? Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy what? Thy thoughts will be established. You see, when we do what God has told us to do, God orders our thinking. He helps us through the thought process. Have you ever not known what to do and then all of a sudden it comes to you? Happens to me all the time. God, I'm so frustrated. God, I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, it's like God says, okay, and he gives it to me. Here. But we have to be doing the first works, the, what he's already revealed to us. I didn't create my heart. You didn't create your heart. God did. So let him be the conductor of your life. Don't push God out of the conductor seat of your life. So what are some things that we know that God has told us to do that we're supposed to be doing? Let me say that again. What are some things? What are some, some, the work of the Lord? Commit thy works unto the Lord. What are those things that we know that we're supposed to be doing? Are you with me tonight? What are those things that we know that we're supposed to be doing that we may or may not be doing? Has God told us to go to church? Yes or no? So we know that. Amen. So if I'm not in church where I'm supposed to be, how am I supposed to find God's will when I'm not in church like I'm supposed to be? And all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, uh, there's many things that God has told us to do. You have to look at your own life, and I have to look at my own life. I know that I'm supposed to be walking with God every day. I know that I'm supposed to be praying and, and seeking the Lord's face. I know that I'm supposed to be witnessing. I know that I'm supposed to be serving. I know that I'm supposed to be living a holy life. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, so I need to do those things. Does that mean we're perfect all the time? No, we fail. We fail, but we're, we've committed our works unto the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you're Jonah on a ship heading the wrong direction. Let me understand, you're not going to find God's will that way. You're going to find the belly of a fish that way. Amen. All right, so number one, the first principle is, if we want to find God's will, we must commit our works unto the Lord. We must commit our works unto the Lord. Secondly, the second principle is we must have confidence in the will of God. If we are going to find the will of God, we must have confidence in the will of God. Look at verse four. The Lord hath made all things for himself. This is a tough pill to swallow. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Yea, yes, even the wicked for the day of evil. That's a tough pill for some people to swallow. How could God have evil? Why would God allow evil? Look at verse seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, we're going to come back to that. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Sometimes God's will leads us down a path that doesn't seem like a good direction. Sometimes God's will brings us to places that we don't want to be. Sometimes God allows things that cause us to go the scenic route, the detour, the long way around. Sometimes God even allows pain into our life. But if we want to know what God's will is, we must have confidence in his will. Someone might read this verse and think, how could God allow evil? Isn't God all good? Well, I want you to think about a story. Think about Joseph. 
How many know Joseph in the Bible? Joseph had a dream that he was going to, to sum it up, he was going to be a ruler someday, and his parents and his brethren would bow down before him. It was as a young person. Remember, uh, Joseph's father bought him a coat of many colors. Remember that? And his brothers were jealous. His brothers sold him into slavery. So they captured him. They put him in this pit. They were going to kill him. The oldest brother, Reuben, talked him out of it and said, we, we shouldn't kill him. That's not a good idea. Let's sell him into slavery. And so they sold him into slavery. They put animal blood on his coat and lied to their father and said that, that he was dead. And so here goes Joseph away from his family, away from his life, sent all the way down to Egypt as a, uh, as a slave. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He's there for, he's doing well. He's serving the Lord. He's committed his works unto the Lord. In every situation, Joseph kept serving the Lord. And yet here he finds himself in this house. He's falsely accused by this woman, thrown into prison. Now he's in prison, but he still committed his works unto the Lord. Remember principle number one, he kept serving the Lord. He had a good testimony. He ends up out of prison, ruling, and his brothers come back, all of these things. And someone might read this verse and say, how could God allow evil? How could God allow these things? But Joseph would argue with you because God allowed Joseph to go through all these things for a purpose. And you remember what Joseph said in Genesis? He said, you thought all this was, you did all this to me for evil. You see, his brothers didn't have good intentions. Yes, they were wicked things that they did. And, and yes, those things uh, when he was sold into slavery and falsely accused, all of those things, all of those things were dastardly deeds, but God meant that all for a reason. And Joseph said that. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis chapter number 50, verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So back to your life. Perhaps you're in a place you didn't imagine. Perhaps some things have happened to you that you wouldn't have picked. If we want to know God's will, we'd have to have confidence that God knows what he's doing. We have to have confidence that God knows what he's doing. Do you see Joseph blaming God for anything? No, he had confidence that God knew what he was doing. And in my life and in your life, and sometimes things don't go the way that we have planned, we must, we must have confidence that God knows what he's doing. If we want to find God's will, we must first commit. You look at Joseph's life, you know why God continued to work his will in Joseph's life? Because his works were committed to the Lord. Joseph could have quit any time. Man, if I was falsely accused and thrown into prison, I don't know. I probably would have quit. This is baloney. Got upset about it, tried to escape or something. I don't know. But Joseph committed his works unto the Lord. When his brothers came back, and here they are, and what they did to him, and it was within his power to exact revenge, and probably would have been righteously, uh, could have done it righteously, but Joseph committed his works unto the Lord. He forgave them. God continued to work his will in Joseph's life because Joseph had confidence in God's will, even though it took him some places he didn't want to go. How many understand what I'm saying tonight? I want to know God's will for my life. I need to have confidence that wherever he takes me, it's his plan and he's in control. So we must commit our work to, the, to God. We must have confidence in the will of God. And then lastly tonight, and this is probably the hardest for us to do, is we must conform to the will of God. We must conform. I want you to look at verse 9. I want to show you something interesting here. Look at verse 9 with me of Proverbs 16. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord, what? 
So we have two words here, deviseth and what? Directeth, deviseth and directeth. When navigating the Lord's will in our life, perhaps one of the hardest things to do is to change course. How many have ever been heading one direction and God says, no, go this way? Has that ever happened to you? And you're like, oh, okay, all right. I thought we were going this way. Nope, we were, but now you're going this way. One of the hardest things for us to do is when we're going a specific or a certain direction, God changes it and we must conform to his will. God changes God changes our life and God moves us around and God does things in our life that we don't expect. If we want to find his will, we have to be willing to conform to that. So look at this word deviseth. It's an interesting word. In the Hebrew, the word is chashab. And what does that mean? It means to plate. How many of you women uh, in the room tonight, or maybe men, I don't know, uh, braid your hair? <laughs> How many ladies ever braid your hair? Raise your hand if you ever braid your hair. Okay, pigtails, uh, ponytails, whatever you call those things. You have three, and you put them. That's plating. It's plating. It's weaving. It's, it's making a pigtail. I hope no guys here are pigtails, but whatever. Uh, and so this word devise it, that's what it means. It means to weave or fabricate. My wife likes to knit. Any, any ladies here do knitting? A couple of you do knitting. I, I would rather have a lobotomy than knit. But my wife's good at it, man. She's flying through these things, making sweaters and all this different stuff. What is she doing? She's taking two, two pieces of fabric, and with these, these deals, she does this thing, and they come together. <laughs> it's amazing. But that's what this word deviseth means. It means, to, it means to fabricate. It can also mean to plot or to contrive or maybe in our vernacular to compute, to conceive. So what the verse says here is a man's heart inside of me, my heart, it devises my way. It weaves, it fabricates my life. It plots out my life. It strategizes my life. I put together the plan. How many have a life plan? Anybody here have a life plan? Anybody have a life plan? We put together, it's okay to have a life plan. It's not a sin or something. All right. We put together our life and we have this plan. We, 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 we have this plan that we're working. Maybe we're going to uh, work at this job for 20 years and then retire. Or we're going to buy this house or we're going to get married on this day and we weave together our life. That's what our heart does constantly. How many of you are, are planners like that? Anybody like that in the room? How many are strategists? Raise your hand if you're the strategist. How many just wing it? Whatever happens, happens. That's me. I'm a wing, I'm a wing it kind of a guy. And thank the Lord I married a woman who's not that way. And so uh, we, but the man, the heart of man, we weave things together. We devise our plans, but the Lord, what? Directeth his steps. The Lord is the one who directs our steps. Yes, we have plans. Yes, we look at our situations and we plot and we compute and we conceive and we weave together our life and we try to uh, make it to where it makes sense. And yes, all those things are good. Yes, we plan to buy that house or yes, we plan to start having kids or yes, we plan to switch jobs and all those things and none of those things are bad. All those things are good. But we have to remember that in our planning and in our plotting, God can come along at any time and say, that's not what's going to happen. I'm going to change your plan. How many of you that's happened to you? It's happened to me. It's not easy. But I want God's will for my life. And so when God comes along and says, this, I know you got it all woven together here, but I got I to gotta pull that apart. I got to change some things. And sometimes God steps in and he changes it. You know when God does this to us? is when we're committed to his work. Are you listening tonight? Let's go back to point one. 
When we're committed to the work of God and we're obeying and doing what we know we're supposed to do, that's when God comes and says, I like what you're doing. Let's change some things up here. I remember when, uh, uh, it'll be uh, uh, about four years ago next month. Well, actually, right now, about four years ago. I knew that God wanted me to pastor. I knew it. And uh, I said, I, you know, it was, it was really on my heart. And at that time, Pastor Tharp was here. And he's always so kind to me. And I came to him one day, and it was about this time of year, about September, four years ago. And I said, Pastor, I said, I really, really feel like God wants me to pastor. So let me go. Let my children go. Let me fly. And uh, he said to me, he said, you know what? I want you to pray. I just want you to pray. Don't, you don't need to go anywhere right now. Just pray. I'm like, okay. You know, we all have that side of us. Come on, don't look at me like that. Pray? We can, no, I'm just kidding. And so I, I was, okay, you know, and I started praying. I'll never forget, it was October the 26th, four years ago. So in about a month from now. I was in the, the, I call it the Holy of Holies. We have a room in this building that only a few people know about. And I was in that room. And I was very frustrated with God. Have you ever been frustrated with God? And I literally just kind of, I, I had my Bible open. I was reading and praying. I was frustrated. I thought, this is, I know this is what God wants me to do. But he's not opening the door. He's not letting me do it. And I was frustrated. And I was praying. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And here's what he said to me. He said, just relax and surrender. And I'll never forget in my Bible, it's not this Bible, but a different one I wrote down. October the 26th, I surrender all. I, th- I thought, well, this is what I want to do. Or this is what I feel like God's called me to do. And God came along and said, that's not what I want you to do. Four or five days later, that's when Pastor Tharp came to me and said, I want you to pray about pastoring Central Valley. And so it was like God was just waiting for me to surrender, to then steer the ship. And then when he said that to me, I said, no way, I'm not doing that. Amen, I'm not doing that. All I'm trying to say is tonight is that God is not going to move our hearts if we're not willing to to move with what he's already given us, if we're not willing to surrender. And it could mean it could, I could go anywhere with that. The, 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 the word here, directeth, in the Hebrew is coon, like a raccoon. It means to stand erect, to set up, or to establish. In other words, a man's heart will plot, it'll weave, it'll fabricate, it'll put together this, this intricate plan that we think this is what God wants, but then the Lord comes along and he's the one that causes it to stand up or fall down. You say, Pastor, how do I know what God wants? How, in this area, it, might, it, it could be a lot of different areas, but how do I know what God wants? How does God direct my steps? It's very simple. Just take one step. No, I don't want that answer. That's the answer, though. Take one step. God doesn't always come down with a Goodyear blimp and tell us what he wants us to do on the side of it. We just have to take a step. It's okay, God. I'm going to push this door. I'm going to take a step. Is this what you want? Give me wisdom. Show me wisdom. James chapter number four. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it to him. And uh, he, he won't, uh, he'll pray it not. He'll give whatever he needs. And so as you take steps and you pray and you ask God to direct you, he'll either allow you to take another step or he'll put you in another direction. How many of you, and I'm almost done, but how many of you have ever tried to push or steer a car that wasn't running? How many have found that it's a lot easier to push a car that's running and the, the power steering works? Sure. In our life, we need to be like that car. We need to be moving in the direction that we know God wants us to be going. 
We know that God wants us reading our Bible every day. Come on. We know that God wants us to worship on a regular basis at church. We, we know that God wants us to, to have a prayer time. Come on, come on. We know that God wants us to put him first in our life. We know that God doesn't want us watching filth and junk all the time. We know that God doesn't want us drunk every night. We know that God doesn't want us sleeping around town. We know what God wants for us. But when we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing, we're like that car that's not running at all. And God's trying to steer us. you got to be moving in the direction that he wants you to go. So tonight, how do I find God's will? Well, that's a tough question, but here's some principles. Am I, here's a question to ask yourself. Am I committed to the work of God now? In other words, am I committed to what God has already shown me to do? Secondly, am I confident in that what God is going to lead me to do, he's going to lead me to do for a greater, greater usefulness for him? I may not enjoy it necessarily. It may not be something <clears throat> that I like initially. But, but honestly, when you do what God wants you to do, you end up enjoying it more than when you do your own thing. Lastly, have I plotted and have I planned and have I fabricated, but am I willing to conform to God if he changes that, if he changes that plan? My heart for you and for me is that we would be 100% surrendered to whatever the will of God is for our life. Let's pray together tonight.